Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Pod. I mean, Chicago Med. No, it's the Blitz Podcast, but I feel like I need to be in Chicago Med or something like that. I'm not going to do much talking tonight. I'm going to quickly turn this over to my partner, Crime Harley. Harley, how's it going? Well, I sound a lot better than you do, although I'm definitely in a foul mood after this past weekend's football games. If it makes you feel any better, I actually feel worse than I sound. Well, you know what? I, I would never hold that against you because. Uh, your uh, your dulcet tones during most of our podcasts make up for the fact that I sound like a loud oaf sometimes. I don't know about that, but because of where we are and injury history, we're going to throw it right over to Harley for this week's Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Before his team's game Sunday, news broke that Marvin Lewis planned on quitting the team following this season. In related news... 15 minutes into their game against the Vikings, the rest of the Bengals quit on their team as well. (laughs) Once again, the story of the week in the NFL was what constitutes a catch. On several occasions, the dreaded completion of process rule came into play. It even was the deciding factor in the likely home field advantage throughout the playoffs matchup between the Steelers and Patriots. At this point, the only process that needs to be completed is the elimination of this ridiculous rule. In addition to a game being decided by the definition of a catch, another game was basically decided by a folded index card. It's amazing to believe that in a world where with one click of a button, we can fire a laser that will vaporize a target the size of an apple on the other end of the entire continent, that we cannot utilize an electronic measurement device on a football field. <laughs> Perennially burned New York Jets cornerback Buster Screen came out following last week's loss to the Saints with the comment that he hopes coach Todd Bowles will remain the Jets' head coach. Of course you want Bowles to keep his job. He is the only coach foolish enough to keep trotting your talentless butt out there, Screen. <laughs> And finally, despite losing to the Jaguars, Jadavion Clowney called Blake Bortles trash following their contest Sunday. You are right, Jadavion. Bortles is trash. And you, your team, they just got beat by that trash to the tune of a 38-point differential. So what the bleep does that make you? This has been your BPN News Update. Wow. So I wish I had more voice for this one. Yeah, I had to warn you. It was, was going to be terse this week because, uh, like I said, I was in, I was in a foul mood after last after last night and after this past weekend's occurrences and some of the ridiculous calls, losing out on one championship game because of the the non touchdown from uh, Jesse James, losing out on another championship game last night because of one yard that Mike Evans didn't get or one catch that he didn't get, and Deshaun Jackson leaving the game early. 
Uh, it was just a rough week for me uh, from a fantasy perspective uh, in season-long and dynasty leagues. Fortunately, for the second week in the last five, I had a monster week on DFS this week. So, again, hopefully our listeners are paying attention to our DFS plays and taking advantage of some of our uh, our tips, as well as reading uh, my weekly article, uh, The Daily Dominator, at the huddle, because uh, that one there we really break down every single player uh, to give you an idea of which players definitely to stay away from and, and which players to pay up for uh, a little bit more detail than you get on our show here. So then I think what we should do is why don't we go right into DFS? I still have my pays, values, and, and stayaways, but I won't do too much talking other than giving my names. I'll let you lead off everyone, though. How's that? Sounds good to me. Well, we'll start then at the quarterback position. At quarterback, I'm going to be paying up for Philip Rivers at the New York Jets. The Jets allowed the second most passing touchdowns per game, including seven passing touchdowns over the last three weeks. Now, Rivers has been red hot for the most part recently, but then he struggled last week versus the Chiefs in what should have been a pretty easy game. You know, that shouldn't be a surprise, though, because as bad as the Chiefs' secondary is, they've historically owned Phillip Rivers. So, again, if we had looked in a little more detail at what his historical record is against the Chiefs, particularly, uh, it, it's he wasn't very good. I mean, he had averaged basically one passing touchdown per game over his career against Kansas City coming into that game. Uh, I think a lot of people bought on the fact that he was playing really well. This week, much easier matchup against the Jets. I'm going to pay up for a guy I normally wouldn't, but I'm paying up for Cam. At home, must win. I still think they have a chance to win the division, if I'm correct. And I think that when you get back to a corner like that, he's more apt to use his legs, which is where his value is going to come in. Well, in addition to the fact that they have a chance to win the division, they still are, to some degree, at the uh, at the beck and call of the other teams in the division ahead of them. But uh, it's a great matchup against Tampa Bay. We saw last night that... Uh, Tampa Bay is their defense is they're kind of a laughing stock right now, so I, I have no problem with that play. I, I think that he is probably my number two or number three overall quarterback this week as well. Okay. Uh, this week I'm going to stay away from Tom Brady against Buffalo. Now Buffalo has allowed zero or one passing touchdown in twelve of their fourteen games this year. You think Buffalo? Oh, they they suck. You'd be able to throw against them, but you know what, Buffalo. Uh, in week 13, they held Brady to only 258 yards and zero passing touchdowns. And If you look back at Brady's last four home starts versus Buffalo, in four starts at home versus Buffalo in his last four games, Brady has thrown a total of four passing touchdowns. Guess what? We agreed. <laughs> Nothing wrong there. That was an easy you know, one. Uh, again, you, this is where I was talking about a little bit ago with the, with the situation there with Rivers is, you look at someone sometimes, you think, well, Tom Brady, he's a sure start no matter what. But when you break it down and when you look at some of the more uh, minuscule stats, like how they're doing at home, how they're doing versus each other historically, you can kind of see some trends that just they, they want you to avoid. Now, one player I'm not going to avoid, my value pick for this week, is Mitchell Trubisky versus Cleveland. The Browns, they're tied with the Jets for the second most passing touchdowns allowed. And Trubisky has 585 passing yards over his last two starts. Now, those numbers aren't going to win you a title in your redraft league or in your dynasty league. So you're not starting Trubisky 
in that, unless maybe if you're in a two-quarterback situation. But if you're looking for a guy that you can get for basically league minimum, 4700 on DraftKings, he's going to have a pretty decent line. And you know what? He's been throwing the ball a lot lately. Guys like Kendall Wright, Dontrell Inman both have been effective plays. Even James Bellamy has been an effective play. Uh, and certainly Tarek Cohen out of the backfield. Cleveland, their defense has been in the Kaputskyville range since about week six of this year. when They started out really good against the run. Since then, they've been bad against both. Start your players against Cleveland without worry. I'm going with a guy that's got an initial like Mr. Trubisky to start his name, but not the T. I got, I'm going with MM. I, I don't feel good about it, but I like Mariota playing at home. And it's not, no, I'm just, I'm not in love with it, but that's the value play that I like on the board. You know, I, I just, I, I've been burned by Mariota so many times this year. I really want to like him. I really do. I, I love Mariota. I actually targeted Mariota as one of my top quarterback options coming into this year. A little bit later on in this podcast, we'll talk about our, our top 10 quarterbacks for next season. Uh, but, you know, coming into this year, Mariota was firmly in the top four or five guys I wanted to get this year. And he's really kind of kicked me in the ball several times in the last four or five weeks in games that I started. I'm figuring he should have big performances, but no, I, I can I can kind of get behind that. The Rams, their defense is pretty good, but with Mariota, you've like always got the chance of the running def, uh, running TD. So you've got that going for him. So I'll start off running back real quick because then I'll let you take it over. But I'm going to tell you this: I'm going to give you my pay up and my stay away because they're on the same team. I'm going to pay up for one guy on one team and stay away from another guy on the same team. All I'm going to tell you is it's the Saints. I'm not going to tell you who. I'll let you talk first. Okay, I'm going to pay up for Kareem Hunt versus Miami. Now, what our listeners don't know is off the air, uh, before we recorded this today, normally we don't discuss a lot of our stuff, but we were talking a little bit about Kareem Hunt because uh, Steve gets to face Kareem Hunt in in one of his title games uh, this week. But you know what? Over the last seven games, as good as Miami's defense has been over the last seven games, they've allowed multiple running back touchdowns five different times. Uh, Cream Hunt appears to be back. He's posted 344 and three touchdowns over his last two games. Um, again, I don't feel just super confident that that this game script is going to go towards Hunt. But Miami has given up touchdowns, even if they're not giving up a ton of yards to opposing running backs. So. Based on the, just the likelihood that he'll score, I like him as a payup. Uh, stay away. I'm going to stay away from Todd Gurley at Tennessee. Now, again, this is not that I don't like Todd Gurley this week, but his price tag's 9100 That's Le'Veon Bell territory. You, you have to feel like you're chasing points here, too. I mean, he had a huge game last week, and he probably got you into your, into your season-long league championship game if you played him. Of course, if you faced him, you're probably seeing on the outside looking in, like myself here. But, you know, Tennessee can be beaten by pass-catching backs. But they are ridiculously good against running backs on the ground. They've allowed the fewest running back rushing touchdowns against. You know what? Plus, you know, Goff won't have to run a whole lot against the secondary. He can throw the ball as much as he wants in this game because Tennessee has no secondary to speak of. So, again, you're paying 9100 you, you might get a receiving touchdown. You might get 110, 120 yards, but you're not going to get three times payday on that 20, on that $9,100 salary. I like the I like the hunt play. I do, but I wanted to be a little contrarian. So the reason I want to pay up for one Saint player is I want to pay up for Mark Ingram because 
the Atlanta defense has speed on its side. And I think the way that they're going to try and beat them is a little more smash mouth. And I think Ingram fits that bill better than Kamara does. Now, Kamara, of course, left, left, left their game last time with a concussion. So we don't really know what we have to hold, how he would have performed against them. But I think that with those linebackers, um, Deion Jones and Devondre, that they can neutralize him possibly. So rather than pay up for that amount and that unsuredness of what we're going to get, I'm going to say I'm going to avoid Kamara. I'm going to pay up for Ingram. I can agree with both of those. Now, I'm feeling pretty certain that we're not going to match at value play because I'm going way deep on my value play this week. I went pretty deep. I'm choosing DJ Foster versus the New York Giants. The Giants are allowing 158 combo yards per game to opposing running backs. And right now at this point here, uh, we don't know for certain if Kerwin Williams is going to play. I'm betting he probably doesn't, uh, which will mean it'll either be Elijah Penny or DJ Foster getting the rock for Arizona. Now, when you look at these two names, Penny and Foster, Foster is the one that actually has some talent. Penny is basically a straight-ahead bowling ball. I think, uh, oh, uh, who, who is, oh, Spencer Ware is the guy I was trying to think of from KC a couple of years ago. Uh, he, he has the capability of getting the ball in the end zone on the goal line, but he's also got the capability of doing the Leroy Horde three yards in a cloud of dust every single time he touches the ball. Foster's the only one that can catch a pass between the two of them. I mean, when you're looking at Penny, he's got the pass-catching acumen of LeGarrette Blunt. So, you know what, if you're going to start someone in this game, uh, Foster's the one that's going to get you your PPR points. He's probably going to be the one to end up with the most yardage of the two. And, frankly, I think he's the safer play. So, I don't think my value play is a safe play, per se. But I like James White, knowing that Rex Burkhead is out. You know, I was, I was looking that way. I wasn't totally certain that Bur- – I mean, I, I'm assuming Burkhead's going to be out, but I, don't, I didn't know for certain when I made my list if he was officially out or not. Uh, I'm also still always concerned that they'll do something stupid like uh, give Mike Gillisley like 17 touches or yeah. uh, sign Jonas Gray off the street and give him three touchdowns. But <laughs> uh, James White makes a lot of sense. Uh, as well as give a, a boost to Deion Lewis if uh, Burkhead doesn't play. Lewis obviously has been the primary between the tackles ball carrier for New England recently. And right now, uh, the uh, early weather reports suggest a, a 30 to 40% chance of rain during that game. So it could be kind of sloppy, which means that uh, instead of throwing the ball deep downfield, uh, another reason possibly to stay away from Tom Brady in this game. Uh, there might be a few more dumps offs and, and, and dinks and dunks to guys like White. I agree. Okay. Uh, rolling into wide receiver position. Uh, we might agree on our pay to play this week. I'm going, uh, I, I chose Philip Rivers as my quarterback to pay up for, so I'm going to pay up for his receiver, Keenan Allen. Uh, Keenan Allen was limited last week due to a back injury, but Monday morning, all signs were already pointing him being ready to go, so I, I don't really think that that's going to be a factor into him. The Jets are allowing an opponent's top wide receiver. Now, you can argue that Keenan Allen is technically, but based on his lining up, more of a slot receiver than a outside number one wide receiver or an X receiver. But when you throw that out the window, you just say, okay, who is an opponent's best receiver? Uh, over the last four weeks, New York has allowed an opponent's best receiver to average seven and a half catches, 120 yards, and one touchdown. That's what you can count on for Keenan Allen this week. I like Allen, but he wasn't my play. Um, I'm a little worried about the injury, so that's why I didn't want him to tag him. I'm going with a guy that if 
some breaks would have gone his way, he'd easily be the top price guy and buy a lot. And that's Michael Thomas. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I bitched and moaned a lot on Twitter last night about uh, Mike Evans' lack of opportunity, but Thomas did get hosed on a couple things this week. He would have had, like, I think 16 touchdowns or something like that. Exactly. I mean, it, it's not Austin Safarian Jenkins' level pain, but uh, he's, he's still, uh, he should have had a lot, lot larger line than he ended up with. He's had a very quiet season for a guy that's had over 90 catches this year, honestly. And that's the thing. I mean, if you had told me that he had 90 catches, I, I would say you've got to be kidding, right? Because right. there was just so many weeks where you, I mean, you look at him, it's like he was supposed to be a top six or seven wide receiver, and he just doesn't feel like a top six or seven wide receiver. But realistically, if you look at the numbers in the end, he is a top six or seven wide receiver. Yep. Uh, I'm going to stay away from a guy who was a consensus top three receiver coming into this year, and that's Julio Jones. Uh, he's going to New Orleans. And his price tag is pretty high, 7700 and 8200 on FanDuel. Uh, Julio has 12 career starts versus New Orleans. In those 12 starts, he is averaging 5.7 catches and 84 yards against them, both of which are reasonably fine numbers. But again, in a point-per-reception uh, format, that's – going to be 14 points. So you're, you're not looking at 14 points and thinking, oh, Julio Jones for $8,000, let's get 14 points out of him. No. Uh, making matters worse is in those 12 career starts versus New Orleans, Julio Jones has scored only three times. And he's only scored once in his last seven games against them. So recency against New Orleans, he's been even worse. Without context, those might be better than his average numbers lifetime. <laughs> he scores so little, in case people. Didn't it is on the road, which gives him that bonus. But yep, yeah, he's one of the few guys I like on the road over at home. Um, the guy I'm staying away from, and I wanted to stay away from Julio, but because of Marshawn Lattimore, et cetera, he wasn't himself the first time they played. But I'm going to stay away from AJ Green. I believe that the entire team has mailed it in. He's going to be at home, but facing Darius Slay for most of the day just doesn't make me all warm and fuzzy inside. Now, I need to ask this. You're more of a defensive-minded player than I am. When did Darius Slay become a shutdown cornerback and an opponent's number one re receiver? I, I always remember Darius Slay as a very, very good slot cornerback. It's been a few years. Two, three years ago, he really solidified himself to where he was impacting the receivers he was playing against. And he has been legit. He's... He really put a damper on uh, some big plays this year from a lot of players that you thought would have good days. And again, you look at Darius Slane, he doesn't like look like a guy who's going to step up and be that. But there's a reason they call him Big Play Slay. I think we've only agreed on one so far. I think we're going to get an agreement here on the value play. Well, so again, I like to pair my value plays with the player I'm paying as my value play at quarterback. Going with Mitchell Trubisky, so I'm going to go with Kendall Wright versus Cleveland, nope. and that's that signal I see from you. Uh, uh, obviously, our, our listeners can't see us, but him uh, basically trying to slap me upside the head. So I, I guess we don't agree on this one. Wright has 17 catches, 188 yards, over 24 targets over the last two weeks, and when you look again at how opposing wide receiver ones or how top wide receivers are doing against Cleveland, they are averaging. 8.7 catches, 93 yards, and one touchdown per game against Cleveland over the last three weeks. Kendall Wright is clearly the number one receiver for Mr. Trubisky, so 
again, you're you're looking at a possible nine ninety in one game here this week. You made mention of a quarterback that you thought would have an easier day passing than the team running this week, so that's why I thought we were going to agree. But no, I'm going with Cooper Cup. Not at all concerned about uh, Robert Woods continuing to eat into his touches. No, I think they both eat this week. I think you're hope, I think you're right, and I hope you're right because I, I've got a lot of shares of uh, Mr. Jared Goff. So if he has a big game, that would assumedly mean that both Cup and Woods had good games too. Exactly. Now rolling over to the tight end position, here we might agree on our pay to play. It's me, uh, for me, it's going to be Travis Kelsey versus Miami. Uh, in seven of their last nine games, Miami has allowed at least 100 tight end receiving yards and or at least one tight end receiving touchdown. Uh, Kelsey's fourth in touchdowns, second in yards, first in targets, first in receptions among tight ends. So he's pretty much an elite tight end every week anyways. It, it's just a nice, easy matchup for him. Um, I think he's going to be involved in the game because Alex Smith is going to have a hard time having time in the pocket to throw deep down the field because Miami's pass rush is pretty good. And we, we kind of agree. I had two names written down. I had Kelsey and Gronkowski just because simply I don't see how you can really be very wrong playing either one of them. But because Kelsey's cheaper by 500 bucks, I think he's a better play, basically. Um, the guy I'm going to stay away from is not Gronk. I'm going to stay away from Greg Olson this week. You know, that's an interesting one because I actually kind of thought about playing Olson. Um, let's see, we got Carolina against Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay actually has been okay against tight ends this year. I mean, they give up a ton of yards to opposing running backs, a ton of yards to opposing wide receivers, but they're just kind of middle of the pack against tight ends, so I, I can get behind that one, I guess. Uh, my stay away is Jimmy Graham at Dallas. And, and this is kind of an interesting one, too, because the Cowboys have been beaten by tight ends recently. So you'd think, well, this might be an opportunity for Graham to step out of his shell. But what's really annoying is... in, in Two of your season-long playoff contests here, Graham has one catch for negative one total yards. How can you feel comfortable starting Jimmy Graham in your championship game, let alone starting him in a daily fantasy league, where his price tag is only $200 less than Kelsey's on FanDuel? Yep, and for what it's worth, um, for the season, the Bucks ranked 29th in points allowed to tight ends. Over the past four weeks, they're 20th. So it's not as bad, but it's not a great matchup. It, again, you, you look at Tampa Bay, and you don't really have to throw the ball to your tight end against them because, well, I mean, we saw it in, in last night's game. Austin Hooper only had a couple catches, but that's only because you can just pound the ball through them so easily with your running back. It's just a la- they're a laughing stock right now. Yeah. I know you, you do a lot of your your work during the uh, week with uh, the folks not at WDAE, and I'm sure they uh, are okay. suffering a, a myriad of phone calls last night after after the loss. But uh, yeah, Tampa's defense—you uh, can only hope they get better next year when everyone gets healthy. Yeah, that's they're not they're not healthy, and it's it's a mess. They, they know that though. Well, let's round up this section with uh, our my value play at tight end, which is Tyler Croft versus Detroit. Detroit has allowed five tight end scores over the last five games. Uh, Croft doesn't have a lot of receptions or yards. He, he never does. But he does have five TDs, which puts him in the top uh, ten for the season among tight ends for touchdowns. So you're playing Croft. You might get two catches and ten yards out of him, but there's a good chance he's going to score. So I'm going with 
the guy that doesn't have the best matchup on paper, um, but he's been pretty much money the past, I don't know, what, three, four, five weeks. Eric Ebron. Yeah, uh, Detroit uh, going against Cincinnati. And it's interesting when you look at Cincinnati. Cincinnati has either been horrible against tight ends or they've completely shut them down. There is no in-between as far as their lines go. So I, I think, again, with Ebron, he's been active in the passing game. There's a good chance that Cincinnati, again, will be without half of their defensive backfield. So, I, yeah, I, I can get behind that play this week, definitely. And even at linebacker, they're pretty pretty well beat up right now, too. So, And then mm-hmm. let's just check one more quick thing here. What's this? We're talking about week 15, I think, right? We, well, yeah, we're going into uh, week 16, of course. But So, yeah, over the past four weeks, um, Ebron ranks seventh among tight ends. That, that's that's good numbers there, and uh, and when you look at Cincinnati, they've given up a tight end touchdown each of the last two weeks. So again, if if you're looking, at, even if Ebron has a low yardage day or a low catch day, which again both are not out of the question that he blows up, Bengals have given up a couple touchdowns. So if you're counting on that touchdown, they'd be play make it. And here's the thing: it's actually more than just the past few weeks. I mean, <clears throat> tight ends bad enough to it's not consistent, but. For the season, I know people had high hopes for Ebron, but the last half of the year, the past eight weeks, he's number eight in tight end scoring. Uh, I kind of want to throw up hearing that stat. (laughs) I think he's a safe play that's got a decent ceiling. I I totally agree. So now, again, we plan on going into here our for our next segment, our top ten quarterbacks and running backs much, much too early top 10 running backs and quarterbacks for next season. Now, quarterback position I thought was pretty easy for me to rank. Running back was much, much more difficult. How do you feel? Quarterback's very easy for me to rank a top 10. Well, again, we realize this because you're not going to be drafting any of the top 10, right? Exactly. (laughs) So what I'm going to do is I'm going to list you my top 10 quarterbacks. Again, these are much, much too early. We really don't know exactly what's going to happen with the draft, what's going to happen with free agency. But assuming all things are equal, here are my top 10 quarterbacks for 2018. Number one. Wait, I need like some sort of sounder that goes, number one. Number one. <laughs> We're going to go with the uh, GOAT, Tom Brady. He's going to be another year older, but you know what? He's still not slowing down. I uh, should have most of his weapons back, if not all of his weapons back in the passing game. Uh, plus he gets back, assumedly, Julian Edelman, which is only going to make his passing numbers that much more gaudy next year. Number two, I'm going to go from the old guard to the new guard and choose Carson Wentz. He's a young quarterback with a ton of weapons who are all signed to long-term contracts already. Uh, Wide open passing attack. Uh, They really have no running back. Hopefully they can add a running back, uh, either make Ajahi develop into a legitimate running back, maybe Corey Clement. Uh, emerges as a legitimate running back. But right now, they don't run the ball because they don't really have to. Wentz is capable of completing third-down passes with precision that we really have seen only by guys like Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, however, uh, is going to slide all the way down to the number six spot on my list. But we'll get to him in a second. My number three quarterback is a dual-threat quarterback by the name of Russell Wilson in Seattle. Uh, and I'm going to choose him just slightly over my number four pick, another dual threat quarterback 
in Houston, that being Deshaun Watson. Now, the only reason I give Russell Wilson a slight edge over Watson is that he's a little bit more proven. Uh, Watson's coming back off the injury, so we're not sure if that's going to affect his eagerness to carry the ball as much as he was at the start of the year. But assuming, again, all things are equal, Watson comes into the season healthy. He certainly had enough time to recover. Wilson and Watson will be my number three and number four quarterbacks, respectively. At number five, I'm going to choose Ben Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger, again, is all dependent on him being healthy and deciding not to retire. Uh, The nice thing about Ben Roethlisberger is you know when to start him. You can start him and confidently assume you're going to get 300 passing yards and three touchdowns in eight of 16 games. That's good numbers. That's number one quarterback numbers. You also feel confident on when to bench him. When he's going on the road, you can easily bench him and stream quarterback two of your choice to fill in that role. Again, hopefully producing at least 250 yards and two touchdowns out of your backup. Number six, as I said, is Aaron Rodgers. I feel that he is going to come back with a vengeance next year, but he's still not going to have the number of passing touchdowns and the the number of yardage that we associate with him in the past because simply his receivers have gone down in quality. Devontae Adams has developed into a solid number one wide receiver there, but Jordy Nelson uh, just doesn't look the same. And we thought that it was just the lack of Aaron Rodgers, but he got Rodgers back last week and their connection just wasn't there. Maybe, maybe, Maybe Rodgers needs to start hanging out with Jordy more, kind of like he's hanging out with Clay in the hotel right now. Maybe he should be hanging out with Jordy in the hotel. There you go. So that was number six. Number seven is going to be a guy who a lot of players aren't going to be happy to draft, and that's Matt Ryan. Uh, A lot of the assumption on Matt Ryan is that Atlanta dumps Steve Sarkeesian. Now, if they don't make a change at offensive coordinator – uh, I'm not as high on Ryan, but I, I think this would be such a call for his head after this just miserably put-together offensive scheme this year, the huge drop-off from last year's offense. Ryan plays half his games indoors. The rest of his games are – a lot of his other games are played against teams where weather is not a factor because it's down in the south uh, south side, southeast side of the U.S., and uh, he's facing some horrible defenses. Uh, New Orleans' defense obviously has gotten better. But Tampa Bay's defense, even when they get healthy, has issues in their secondary. I I like Ryan to have a bounce back here again, assuming Sarkeesian is gone. Next up for me is Jared Goff. Now, this is the one that could be, it could go either way, I think. Uh, I I really like Goff's potential. Uh, Obviously, they're open to throwing the ball 40-plus times a game. And any time you throw the ball that frequently... You've got a quality pass catching back uh, out of the backfield in Todd Gurley. You know, that offense could easily develop into Pittsburgh West. Yeah. Next up, a safe play, to say the least. Matthew Stafford, again, playing half his games uh, indoors. He doesn't have to worry about uh, weather conditions. Uh, Within his own division, he also gets a game in Minnesota, so there's no weather conditions there. Does have some... uh, some bonuses in the fact he gets to face the Chicago secondary and the uh, Packers secondary twice uh, each. So that's a good positive there. 
And again, he's got all of his weapons coming back. Marvin Jones has developed into a legitimate outside receiver. Golden Tate, one of the best uh, possession receivers in football right now. Uh, you get young Kenny Galladay a full season. Uh, TJ Jones has looked very, very good this year. Uh, Ebron, as we mentioned, is has bloomed, uh, albeit a lot later than I think a lot of us hoped. All they need is a running back to keep that offense uh, looking a little bit more balanced. And uh, if they can get that running back, uh, perhaps they end up uh, having a running back fall to them in the second round of the draft. Uh, if not, maybe trade up and get a guy. Detroit's offense could be very, very good. Who rounds it out for you? <clears throat> My final pick. This is where it got really tough for me. Uh, I'm I'm going to go with Dak Prescott. Uh, he's young enough, he's smart enough, and he's darn good. No, <laughs> he, he's playing an offense where when Ezekiel Elliott was on the field, he looked like a potential MVP quarterback. Obviously, we didn't have Ezekiel Elliott for half the season. He gets Elliott back next year. I think that returns Prescott to extreme fantasy relevance, both with his feet and through the air. Okay. I'll try to make my way through a couple of comments for you real quick. I'm shocked you have Wentz as high as you did considering the injury and the time of year he had it. Um, my concern with Watson is, is Bill O'Brien going to be back or not? That is a huge if there, yes. Exactly. I know that Rodgers doesn't have as much to work with possibly. I just have a hard time ranking him that low, but I'm not spending any kind of price for any of those guys. Just because of who you ranked, these are names that jump out at me as values for next year. Um, Mariota, Jameis, Kirk Cousins, Bortles, Alex Smith is going to wind up playing somewhere. If it's not Kansas City, then Mahomes also enters that conversation as a, as a, a guy that could step up. Um, and I do think that Matt Ryan does not get drafted in the top 10, and he's another one of those types of guys that you can get value on outside of the top 10 also. I'm absolutely with you. I think that Ryan probably won't get drafted outside, won't get drafted in the top 10 but he definitely has the potential to return top 10 value. In addition to the guys you mentioned who were top 10 drafts, 12, top 12 drafts this year, uh, another name to think about is if the Vikings re-sign Case Keenum. Obviously, he's yeah. comfortable in this offense. Again, that also depends on whether or not Pat Shermer is back as the offensive coordinator. Obviously, they've got a little simpatico thing going on. Uh, Again, you mentioned uh, Alex Smith. There's at least a slight chance that he's going to end up in New York replacing Eli if, he, if the Giants don't draft a quarterback. And Eli could wind up in Jacksonville. <clears throat> Alex could wind up in Jacksonville. There's a bunch of different landing spots for these guys that will make them valuable for fantasy purposes. And, and Kirk Cousins is, is the wild card of all of it. I mean, again, wherever he ends up, uh, it's bound to be a heavily passing-themed attack, so he's definitely got some value. Uh, Phillip Rivers. Good offense around him. Uh, Cam Newton, again, ever thus to the two-dimensional quarterbacks. And, again, you could be looking at a, at a comeback for a guy like Derek Carr, or as you mentioned, Mariota or Winston. Uh, younger guys who are, really, they were hyped this year. They were supposed to have their big breakouts this year, none of whom did. They've all kind of regressed. Yeah. Perhaps in their next season, this will be the year that they progress to where we thought they would be. Yeah, Carr's another guy I forgot about that easily somebody that will get pushed out of the top 12 and he'll be valued for somebody. Um, all right, before we do running backs, how many are we going to agree on? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm going to say seven. Uh, well, are you talking 
I'm both in the top ten or position wise. Position, straight up position wise. Oh boy, uh, I'm gonna say two, was, Man, three. I, I'm gonna say three. I'll say three. I, I was gonna say two or three. I'll take two. I'll lead, <clears throat> okay. I'll lead off. I'll screw us off. Right, screw, screw us up right off the bat. How's that? Go for it. Number one, Todd Gurley. Yeah, you did. Uh, yeah, that, that screwed it up right away. Uh, I, I've got Gurley ranked number three. But, again, as we talked about a little bit with that offense there, the division certainly is favorable for Gurley. And, again, if, if Gurley has the capability and, and they continue to build it like they will, that offense will be Pittsburgh West. Of course, Pittsburgh East is my number one wandering back, and that's Le'Veon Bell still. So I'll, I'm going to try and talk a little bit more during this. Um, the reason I have Gurley number one is because there are less question marks in my mind. I have Bell number two, and the question is, is Ben coming back? That's a huge part of it, because if not, what happens at that point? I have David Johnson number three. Again, what's happening there from a quarterback standpoint? Those two situations, just based on those two factors, and I look at they're going to have another year of Sammy Watkins in that offense if they re-sign him. Robert Woods is looking good. Cooper Cup's looking good. They've got some tight ends. They've got a young coach that looks like they want to make him their centerpiece. I think Gurley's the safest. I don't think this is a flash in the pan. Well, you mentioned David Johnson. I've actually got Johnson all the way down at five right now. Again, when you talk about question marks, I think question marks around there. Will David Johnson come back at 100%? Will Carson Palmer come back at all? Does anyone really care? Now, obviously... David Johnson, I think, has the talent to survive with pretty much anyone at quarterback. But his numbers will be stifled some yep. if Palmer isn't back. And, uh, I mean, Fitzgerald is getting older. The offense as a whole is just kind of was kind of ho-hum even when Johnson was in there. I, I'm a little scared about him. The guy that I put ahead of uh, Johnson uh, as well as ahead of Gurley is Ezekiel Elliott. Now, we've seen in the games leading up to his suspension, just what Zeke can do when he's motivated. And if there's, I mean, we, we talked a couple of years ago about Tom Brady coming back motivated after his suspension by uh, the commissioner. Think about how motivated Zeke is going to be to just shove it in the face of the commissioner as, as well as the rest of the NFC East, or as I like to call them, the NFC least running back div, uh, division in terms of blocking and stopping opposing running backs. Um, the Eagles have something to say about that. no, my, they didn't look very good last week. No, they didn't. But my concern, <laughs> my concern with Zeke is his mentality outside of football. And if he screws up again, the the threat of suspension is why I have him at five, at number four. I have him as my number four overall back. So that's what kept me from putting him up at one or two, quite honestly, because he does have the rest of the everything else is there. He's got a quarterback, and a wide receiver they could improve on, but you know. It seems like Jason Garrett can't do anything to get fired, so you know they've got a coach that loves him that's going to use him. But the threat of the suspension is why I have him down at four. So as much as we've gotten all of our top fives kind of mix and matched here, we have, I don't think we've had an actual match, but we've got the same five for the most part, I think. My number four player, I'm guessing, is probably your number five, and that's Elvin Kamara. No, that would be incorrect. So let's go over our top four first real quick. I have it as Gurley, Bell, DJ, and Zeke. And you have it as Bell. Bell, Zeke, Gurley, and DJ. Okay. And then at number five, you have Kamara. Yes. 
I do not have Kamara five. I have Leonard Fournette at number five. He was uh, going to be my number. I was debating between him and two other guys at five there. So it was a three-way battle for my fifth spot. And, and I'm looking at the way that the teams are carved together. And I think there's more upside for Fournette with a solid defense like Jacksonville is going to play there. And another year, hopefully he'll be healthier. I think that he's got as much upside as anybody to make top five. Well, I think the only reason I listed Kamara as high as I do is I really think that uh, we're going to see Mark Ingram either released or traded this offseason. And that would definitely change how I factored in my rankings, absolutely. Okay, uh, as, as I mentioned, Fournette is was close. Uh, it was basically a two-way tie for sixth and seventh for me, uh, being Fournette and Kareem Hunt. I have Kareem Hunt number six. My big concern with Hunt is that uh, Spencer Ware will probably be back next year. And I, I mean, we already are seeing Hunt seed goal line carries to inferior backs. Are, is he going to see that volume of goal line touches with Spencer Ware back? And again, what will the factor be if Patrick Mahomes is the starting quarterback rather than uh, Alex Smith? Again, Smith, call him what he is. He's a caretaker quarterback at best but he's been a serviceable caretaker quarterback. Mahomes is an unproven entity. And, and that, that's why I couldn't get into my top five, the uncertainty at quarterback. And I felt like six might have been a little high for him, but Andy, I think, feeds him. He doesn't want any kind of running back by committee. I don't care if he uses a few touches to keep him healthy. But um, at seven, I've got Dante. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't talk. i got Freeman in Atlanta. Oh, Devontae, I was going to say, you're, taking, you're giving that much faith in Dante Foreman to jump up now. Yeah. Uh, I, I have Freeman uh, borderline top 10 right now. Uh, my whole issue with him is what happens with Tevin Coleman. If, if Coleman is back once again, uh, then I, I weigh him down a little bit. Uh, he looked dominant against Tampa Bay, but there's been games where he's looked Michael Turner, and there's been games where he's looked Le'Veon Bell, and it's like, it kind of like blows your mind to think that this is the same running back going out there and running headlong into his own defensive, uh, into his own lineman and getting negative yardage versus last night's game where you can see him just bursting through holes for eight, nine, ten yards a chunk. Yep. Um, I, I liked him, but he, di- he didn't make my top ten. Okay, I can see that. Uh, I think we're on number s- seven right now, correct? Seven, seven for you. He was seven for me. Okay, for, for me at seven, I've got Kenyon Drake. Uh, he has looked really, really good the last couple of weeks, given the full complement of touches. Uh, Damian Williams is just the guy. Uh, I really don't see Damian Williams eating into Drake's output next season. Uh, I'm hoping that Jake Cutler is gone. And they have developed a better quarterback situation there. Again, maybe someone like Alex Smith goes there to be their quarterback. He's got weapons to throw to. Uh, maybe Eli Manning down there to throw, throw to some of those guys. Uh, whatever it is, though, Drake has taken a horrible, horrible offense there that Jay Ajayi could just not get anything going with, and he's produced 150 yards in each of his last couple games. I think that's only the tip of the iceberg for this talented, talented back. Okay, I have a feeling we're going to agree at number eight. Uh, I don't know. I'll go for it. <laughs> I'll you go first. I've got a guy that's got an incomplete this year. Coming, he'll be coming back off an of injury, Dalvin Cook. Yes, we got it. We got one there, finally. <laughs> you know, when I made my list up at first, I had forgotten about Delvin Cook. Then I had to write him in again <laughs> and re-rank the players above and beyond because 
I mean, again, it, it didn't matter who was the quarterback this year. Right. Minnesota's offense was doing very, very good. And again, I think a lot of that falls on the shoulders of Pat Shermer. If Shermer takes a job as a head coach somewhere, maybe the offense takes a drop off. But you can't really deny the fact that Delvin Cook showed some supreme talent this year in the time he was out there. I think he's a safe bet to produce top 10 numbers, if, if not top 8 numbers. Let's see. If I didn't push Hunt from 8 to 6th, we wouldn't have agreed. So I want to push Hunt up my list and that push Cook down one so we could agree. Uh, 9, I don't know if we'll agree on or not. No, we can't. Uh <laughs> The guy I'm going with at nine is Melvin Gordon. I think that he's young enough. And the offense, again, Austin Eckler showed something this year that he's going to be a change of pace. But no, I'm losing my voice. You're passing it on to me. So who's your number 10? <coughs> my, my two are tied to each other. So who's your number 10 also? I say that as he's drinking water. <laughs> yeah, my, my number 10 is LaShawn McCoy. Uh, whoever ends up being the quarterback in Buffalo, they're going to lean on McCoy. Uh, if McCoy isn't shipped out of there, I mean, imagine what McCoy would do on an offense with a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, he is just sucking up the yardage. He's sucking up the catches, receptions, rushing touchdowns. The guy is doing all of it behind a, a team that really, at the, even before the season, they tried to punt off their team for the year. Now, the Buffalo Bills are still in the playoff hunt. Yeah. That's all on LaShawn McCoy. They control their own destiny, I believe, too. That's just weird. So Gordon and McCoy did not make my top ten, and I feel dirty for not having McCoy in my top ten, honestly. Um, and I, like I said, I'm kind of punting nine and ten. I'm going with Ingram and Kamara, and I have them down the list for a reason. They're having a magical season. Magical I don't think they can coexist the same way and both of them be top 10 again next year. So in a sense, this is me. I probably should have ranked them both outside the top 10 to be a little more poignant. But this is me saying buyer beware because one of these guys, I believe, is going to fall short of living up to the expectations unless they, one of them gets traded, like you said, and Ingram gets shipped off somewhere. What's really, really amazing, too, is that uh, when I made this list up, I had to put McCoy in my top 10. I, it, it was hard, though, to leave off one player that I think is going to finish as a top six or seven running back next year and, and definitely needs to be a top 10 pick uh, based on, assumedly, where he'll end up, and that's Saquon Barkley. Yeah, and that was somebody I had written down, too, but we don't <laughs> rank the, the non-NFL players right now. So, But, yeah, he's gonna, he'll be a top 10 draft pick next year. No matter, I don't think that'll matter where he goes. Jordan Howard's another guy I wanted to find a way to get into my top 10, assuming that John Fox will be gone and hopefully Jeff Fisher won't be the coach there. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe Fisher will give him a chance to play. I don't know. I, they're they're going to bring in someone smart uh, to, to lead that offense, and certainly Howard's got the capability of being a big play guy. With, with, Bar with Barkley, I mean, very seldom do we see uh, three running backs with the pedigree of Barkley, Fournette, and Ezekiel Elliott come into the league in, in so tight of a, a cluster. And uh, the early reports are that Barkley is going to be better than Zeke and Fournette. Now, I mean, that blows my mind. I mean, if we're yeah. talking a Le'Veon Bell-like talent, you're going to have to use a first, a late first-round pick in your draft to get Barkley next year. Yeah, probably so. Well, look, you have anything else that you want to add before I wrap us up? 
Nope. Uh, we, it sounds like we both need to rest our voices a little bit going into next week. And uh, obviously, so you can cheer on your team in the fantasy championships this week. Obviously, I, I don't get that bonus and benefit of cheering on my team for a fantasy championship. But hopefully I can cheer myself to another uh, big payday on DFS this week. Well, I'll say this. I'll, I'll, I'll rough through this. And that fantasy championship we're talking about is the Flex League, which Eric Young was on with us earlier this year, at the start of the year, and he won it last year. Um, I'm facing Corey Parsons, who um, works for FNSTSY, FNTF, whatever it is. You know that station I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway. The other four-letter the other four network. Yes, FNTSY. <laughs> um, he's starting Alex Smith currently, Zeke, Kareem Hunt, Des Bryant, Brandon Cooks, Michael Crabtree, Deshaun Jackson, Jarvis Landry, Jack Doyle, and the Seahawks defense against me. I am currently starting, and I don't think it's fair that I've got DJ on my injured reserve and can't start him. I think he should have to pull Zeke out just to make it fair, don't you? There's certainly an argument for that, although he'll lose. Uh, I think he's going to lose to Sean Jackson. I don't think he's going to play this week. Okay, so let me make sure i got enough people here. One, two, three, four, six, seven. Yep, okay. So I'm starting Jared Goff at quarterback, Todd Gurley, and Duke Johnson at running back. Then I'm starting DeAndre Hopkins, Josh Gordon, Stefan Diggs. I'm now not sure if I'm going to be starting D.D. Westbrook, but I think I am. I'm definitely benching Crowder. And then at tight end, I'm starting Zach Ertz and one of either Eric Ebron or Greg Olson um, and the Ravens defense. And if I had to, I could start all three of those wide receiver, those tight ends as long as I sit one other wide receiver, which means I could sit D.D. Westbrook and start Ebron, Ertz, and Olson. Well, I know you don't want to talk too long on this segment to save your voice, but uh, time to get back in the soapbox for a little bit. Did anyone really expect that Jacksonville would score that many points this past week and that none of the touchdowns would go to Marquise Lee, D.D. Westbrook, Leonard Fournette, or Chris Ivory? No. I, who were these weirdos? I mean, Akeel and Cole we've seen some of this year, but I... I Minkins or Mickens was yeah. the other receiver, and uh, uh, Tommy Bohannon with two vultures at the goal line. I mean, what what's that all about? I was facing Chris Ivory, so I was okay with that part of it. What's really really sickening is I'm sure somebody in the DraftKings Millionaire Maker had Mickens and Bohannon and probably uh, Cole in their lineup too as like some ridiculous stack with Blake Bortles. Uh, odds are they probably won it all. Yeah, you're probably right. Well, look. Um, I want to tell you and our listeners all to have a very Merry Christmas. Be very safe if you're out on the roads. Um, don't drink too much. Be responsible. All that good stuff. Hope everybody gets what they want. And until next time, get what's responsible. Cheers. Cheers.